0: Good, good morning. good morning, good morning. I will put my Bible here, it is too bulky to put it there. Good morning, good morning. isn't God good? Amen. Happy Resurrection Day, yes. Yeah, it's awesome to, to be in your midst and at this special day, and the Bible says if Jesus was not raised, our faith was in vain and we were still in our sins. So, but because he is raised, we are not in our sins anymore. So that is a, an awesome message. And um, I want to share actually about that topic. But before I do that, I want to introduce myself a little bit. My name is Hans Baksteen. That's how you pronounce it in my language. Hans Baksteen, maybe for other people. But um, I'm from the Netherlands and um, this is my seventh year actually next week i start in my seventh year here in uganda uh, but my luganda is not yet as it should be uh but i'm doing my best i'm married to a ugandan lady beatrice Namutebi. he's sitting there and um just got married last year yeah so i'm very blessed i'm a blessed and favored man and um yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I can share the word of God with you this morning. Um, and the title of my message is, You are completely forgiven. God is not angry at you. Yes. And Monica was talking about the war, that there, the war is over. Well, part of that is, why is the war over? Because God is not angry at us or with us. So I think that is so important to know that that is the case. Um, Yeah, if you think about uh, forgiveness and that God has forgiven us, then you can also think about how we should forgive other people or what is our experience with forgiveness? And it's good maybe to start there. What is our experience with forgiveness? And um, I had to ask forgiveness to a lady and um, I did that about 10, 12 years ago, about that time. But she never replied to me. Yeah, she never responded. And since then, she never has said, okay, I forgive you. She didn't do that. And I haven't seen her since then. So now if I would meet her on this road, how would that meeting be? It would not be very convenient, you can, you can tell, because I don't know whether she has forgiven me or not. Of course that does not affect my life so much. I think it might affect her life more that she uh, hadn't, hasn't forgiven me or that I don't know that she hasn't. But it's quite important. Forgiveness is a quite important topic in our lives, even between people. And, uh, but it's also important between God and us, between us and God. What does God's word says say about forgiveness? It's so important. I thought also about the the history of of the brothers of Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis. You remember that they were already living for years and years in in the land of Egypt. They had returned and they had spoken to their brothers, to their brother Joseph, about everything that had happened in their life. And Joseph had forgiven them. But still, when Jacob died, they, they, they were, even their father Jacob ha, had said to his other sons, now you have to go to Joseph and make sure that he will forgive you. So they were still afraid that Joseph was holding a grudge against them deep in his heart, but he wasn't, yeah? So, so you can still be afraid of things while things are already good, they are already in order. And many times that is the case also when it comes to our forgiveness, that God has forgiven us. We might still have a fear sometimes. Is has he really forgiven us? Or, or am I going to find out there that he's still holding a grudge against me? Yeah? So I want to talk about these kind of things this morning. And when you think about Old Covenant, In the Old Covenant, we also see that God forgives sins. We see that a lot in the Old Covenant. But it is quite different from what happens in the New Covenant because of what Jesus has done. In the Old Covenant, you see that God is forgiving the sins of his people, but that is not automatically. When I say automatically, I also realize that even now, it was not automatically, of course. Christ had to come and to die for us. But in the Old Covenant... Um, the people of Israel, they had to approach God and to ask God for forgiveness. And I want to read with you just one or two verses from uh, the book of Kings, 1 Kings uh, 8. In 1 Kings 8, you will find that um, Solomon is dedicating the temple. So the temple has been built. And Solomon is going to dedicate the temple, 1 Kings 8. And then he prays a a prayer. And that prayer says a lot about his relationship and the relationship of the people of Israel with God. Because in this prayer, he asks five times for forgiveness. Five times. There is no other chapter in the Bible, apart from the second books of Chronicles, where you find the same description of what happened at that time, where you find so many times uh, talked about forgiveness. You don't find another chapter in the Bible which talks five times about forgiveness. So, and it's all about that he's praying God that if your people are sinning, then please forgive them. And that is actually... The summary of that prayer. And at a certain point in that prayer, in verse 46 of 1 Kings 8, he says, if they sin against thee, for there is no man that sinneth not. Uh, That reminds me of Romans. eh? There is no one that does good. For there is no man that sinned not, and thou be angry with them. So that was the situation in the Old Testament. That God was angry with them when they sinned, especially when they sinned uh, by by following other gods, by following idols. That was the main reason why God was so angry with his people. And because because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we might think that he he is still angry, that that is uh, one of his main characteristics, that God is, yes, God is love, but he's also angry at sin, yeah, so... And you, you, have, you have scriptures in the Old Testament to back that up. God is an angry God, especially when it comes to sin. But the coming of Christ and his death at the cross has changed everything. And, and I want to talk about that. But first, first I want to uh, share a little bit more about what in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, I have to say, was the normal way of, getting your sins forgiven. Uh, first of all, you had to request whether God wanted to forgive your sins. And further on, or maybe earlier, God gave provisions in the form of, in the form of offerings. Yeah? So in Leviticus, for example, Leviticus 4 and Leviticus 5, you can find... Um, uh, the, uh, the law about the sin offering and about the trespass offering. So when people had sinned in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, they had to bring a, an animal, they had to sacrifice an animal. And um, yeah, you know, sacrificing an animal, animal is not something that you do easily. You have to do a lot of work to to kill an animal and to shed the blood and so a lot of work had to be done so there were conditions for the forgiveness of your sins in the old testament actually that is what you can say in the old testament there were a lot of things that had to be done before people could be sure that their sins were forgiven and so you can read that in Leviticus 4 and in Leviticus 5 and And what you see is that the repeating chorus of of those two chapters is that um, um, it shall be forgiven him. That's what you can find in those chapters, in chapter 4 and chapter 5. And it shall be forgiven him, and it shall be forgiven him. So do you you see that it shall be is future? Yeah, it is something that is in the future only... If you bring that right offer, that that perfect animal, and if you do that in in the right way, then you will receive forgiveness. So it was conditional. And even if you think about the high priest, the high priest could not go every day into the holiest of holiest. He could not do that. The Bible even says if he would do that, God would kill him. So can you imagine someone who wants to seek forgiveness for him and for the people of Israel? that is going to be killed, yeah? So that was the situation of the people of God in the Old Testament, yeah? The forgiveness of their sins was not a guarantee. It was actually conditional. And um, now when you go to the New Testament, you might even think, well, even Jesus taught about uh, conditions to be forgiven, yeah? So if you read in the Gospels, In Matthew 6, for example, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, you will find that Jesus is saying that God uh, will not forgive you if you don't forgive each other. And then you say, well, that is now New Covenant. This is the New Testament. But I have to remind you that the New Covenant doesn't start uh, in the Bible at Matthew 1. It doesn't start there. The new covenant starts when Jesus has died at the cross. That is the time that the new covenant starts, yeah? So which means if Jesus explains things to the people before his death, sometimes he is still talking according to the old covenant, yeah? And we will have some uh, examples of that. So this is one example that Jesus says to his disciples, your heavenly father can only forgive you if you forgive each other, yeah? So can you imagine if that sticks into your mind, then you keep on thinking, okay, have I forgiven everyone that has done something against me? And you might get stuck because of that. And, um, and that is uh, very dangerous that you, that you stay with one leg in the old covenant and with the other leg you try to, to reach what God has given you in the new covenant. And I want to share a little bit about that thing. Yeah, so connecting with God in the, in the Old Covenant was not easy. Yeah, there were a much many rules and regulations that you had to adhere to. Yeah, you could not just come into his presence. You had to do this and that and that. It was conditional, you could say. Now, even when you go into the New Testament, even into the New Covenant Bible books, which are all the Bible books from Acts, you could say, yeah, these are the New Covenant Bible books. Even there are some scriptures that you can still explain or interpret according to the Old Covenant. Yeah? There's one scripture especially that I want to mention, and that is a scripture that says that, um, that we, uh, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So if you read that superficially, then you could say, well, uh, God will forgive us our sins, but only if we confess our sins, yeah? So now that, again, is conditional, yeah? Now you, if you explain it like that, that is, you are on old covenant ground, yeah? Not new covenant ground. So you, you cannot explain this scripture in that way. It's, that is not a way. It does not say when you confess your sins. It doesn't assume that you should always confess your sins. Sometimes there's a situation that that you confess your sins. But confessing our sins is not a condition for God to forgive us. And I think that is really good to know because we do not even know all of our sins. Because when we think about our sins, we think about the things that we do wrong. But we don't think about the good things that we should have done, which is also a sin. Yeah, We don't think about these things. So you can mention so many things that you even can imagine. So what if you should confess all your sins in order to be forgiven? That is impossible. That is impossible. Yeah. So that is not the meaning of this scripture. But when I was raised as a Christian, I was taught this, that we had to confess all of our sins. Now, I want to do a small... Um, uh, how do you call that in English? Uh, examination or a questionnaire among you, now. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. But you have to answer according to God's word, eh? not your own opinion, yeah? <coughs> oh, sorry. I should be careful when I cough. Okay, when we feel weak, we confess that we are strong. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. When you are weak, we, you are strong, yeah. You should. You should say. Let weak say. I am strong, yeah. Okay. Now maybe there are not scriptures for these, but I can. Can I think that you can say in the same ways? When you feel sick, we confess that you are healed. When we are poor, we confess that we are rich. When we sin, we confess. Yeah. Not that we confess our sins. Yeah? But that, that is what was taught me. When you sin, you confess your sins. But that is not logical. When you think about the other things, yeah? when you are weak, you should confess that you are strong. Yeah? And in the same way, when you sin, you should not confess your sins. Yeah? God does not want you to be sin conscious. Yeah? We should confess our righteousness in Christ Jesus. And so that is so important to know. So many Christians are so sin-conscious, so conscious about their sins, because they have been taught that God's forgiveness of their sins is conditional. Yeah, there are conditions to be met. Yeah, you have to confess all your sins, or you have to forgive all other people that have sinned against you. Or, or you have to live a holy life, else you cannot please God. And there are qualifications for God's forgiveness. You first have to be Holy. Now that is just like taking a shower before you take a bath. Yeah, do you understand? Many people are like that. eh? They want to approach God, but first they want to wash themselves so that they think they they are qualified to approach him. That's not the way that the Bible teaches us to to, um, approach God. Yeah, so we are so conscious of our sins, and that is not what God has for us in store. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, many Christians still see God as, a, as an angry God. Yeah? And um, so God puts your life under a magnifying glass and he looks at, are there any sins? Yeah, that's how many people look at God. Is there any sin? Yeah? And, and most of those people say also, um, yeah, I have to be perfect in order to be in fellowship with God. Now there's a certain truth in that I will come to that later. But actually God is not fellowshipping with perfect people in one sense. In the other sense he is. I'm going to explain that later. Yeah? And there are also people that say okay you cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you live not a very holy life. Yeah? I've, I've been in those circles here in Africa in, in a church where they said well You have to live a very holy life, and then you might be baptized in the Holy Spirit, yeah? Because uh, the Holy Spirit cannot live in a dirty vessel. Well, the Holy Spirit only lives in dirty vessels, yeah? (laughs) Because we all sin and come short of the glory of God, yeah? I'm not saying that we are sinners. Listen good to me, yeah? But I'm saying that from time to time, we we all still sin. If the Holy Spirit could only live in people that live super holy lives, then no one would be baptized. And that was actually also the consequence of their teaching, that only the leader of that church uh, confessed that he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all the other people were in the process of, yeah? Yeah, so later on I got the right teachings, thank God. And then there's also that teaching that says, okay, but the Holy Spirit is, is convincing you of your sins. That is his task, yeah? If there's sin in your life, the Holy Spirit will point it out. And then they they read that scripture in John 16 where where it says, And when he is come, that is the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But then it says, of sin, because they believe not on me. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit convicts the world, the people that do not believe, That is the task of the Holy Spirit, to believe, to to convince, convict unbelievers of sin. Not believers, yeah? So if you continually are are walking around with a conscience of sin, uh, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. You might have thought that all the time. The Holy Spirit is pointing out these things so that I can repent and become better. But the Holy Spirit is not doing that. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is convincing and convicting us of God's righteousness. You can read that also in those same scriptures there. That's not my topic now, but please read that scripture and then uh, discover that the Holy Spirit is convicting us of our right standing with God. Yeah? That's why that's what He's doing in our life. Okay, now I want to talk about the forgiveness of sins in the new covenant. And that is very good news. That is so good news. So I'm very glad that I'm able to share that with you. We already sang different, several songs that Christ died at the cross. He became the perfect lamb of God. Yeah, when you think about all those offerings in the Old Testament, they were all pointing to that one offering, Jesus Christ, who became the perfect lamb of God, that took away the sins of the world. It it does not say that he took away the sins of all people that were going to believe in him. No, he took away the sins of the world. There's not a scripture that says something like that. In 1 John 2 verse 2, it says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yeah, so Jesus was a, propri- was an, uh, yeah, a propitiation and toning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Yeah? Also for the people that are not believing in him. He also took away their sin. So, of course, you, your sins cannot be taken away if you don't believe that, if you don't receive that. So there's still something that you have to do in the sense of believing and receiving but not in the sense of uh, bringing a sacrifice or forgiving other people or living a holy life. These are not the conditions for you to receive forgiveness of sins. The only condition is to believe what Christ has done, to believe in the finished word of Christ. When I was uh, driving here to this place, I talked with my wife and, um, about that God is not an angry God anymore. But even some people, when they read the Gospels, they might find Jesus being angry, which is actually the case. There's actually one occasion that says that Jesus was angry, yeah? And that was the occasion when he was in the synagogue and he was about to heal a person with a withered hand. And then the, the, the people of the synagogue wanted to prevent him from doing that. So then he became angry. Yeah, so what what does the Bible says about that? Let me read that, Mark 3, verse 5. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, so he looked with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Yeah, it doesn't say that he was grieved because there were all kinds of sinners in that synagogue, in that church. No, he was grieved for the hardness of their hearts. In Mark 3, verse 5, you can find that. And then he stretched out his hand. So he was not angry about sin, He was angry about people that would not accept his goodness. People that were so in their self-righteousness that they thought that they didn't need God. That's also what the Bible said, that Jesus came not for those who are righteous. And then you have to explain that in yourself. You have to say those who think that they are righteous. Jesus did not come for those kind of people. And... And he always pointed to those kind of... He was quite hard on those people, eh, like the Pharisees and also this kind of people. So then he could become angry. But actually, it only says it once in the, in the Bible that he was angry. But it was in this situation. Yeah, Of course, you have the situation that he drove out the people from the temple. He did that twice. But you do, do not read that he was angry at that time. Well, it's hard to... Imagine him not angry doing that, but it doesn't say it. It doesn't say it. Yeah, so God is not angry at us. Jesus is not angry at us. I think that is so important that we get that in our heart and in our head, that we never forget that, that he was not angry at us. How how could he be angry on those people that he wanted to save? He did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. So you can only save people if you're not angry at them, yeah, it's very hard to save people that you are angry at. Very hard. So yeah, he, so he was not angry at sinners. On the contrary, he loved sinners and he was dealing with sinners. And yeah, so he came to save us from our sins. So what does the Bible say about the forgiveness that we have received by Christ's blood? So I am now talking about new covenant forgiveness. what the the Bible shares. And the things that I'm going to share are mainly from the book of Ephesians and the book of Hebrews. So if you know where to find those books, you're good this morning. You're good. I cannot say it's page this and that of the Bible because you might have another Bible. Okay. The first um, characteristic of new covenant forgiveness is that the forgiveness of our sins took place in the past. It is not something that takes place now. No, it took place in the past. It is past tense. It is not as we have referred to in Leviticus 4 and 5, and, and their sins shall be forgiven. It is not that kind of forgiveness. It is something that is past tense. Now there are several scriptures that say that and I want to mention uh, the one in Ephesians Ephesians 4 verse 32 It says and be you kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you Yeah So now this is quite different from what Jesus taught his disciples during the sermon of the mount There he taught you should forgive others else God cannot forgive you now he says, because this is also Christ speaking through Paul, but this is after the cross, yeah? after that he died at the cross. Now he says, you can forgive others. Why? Because you have been forgiven yourself. Yeah? Now the strength to forgive others we receive because we know we are forgiven ourselves. Yeah? If you really know how much you are forgiven, then that gives you the strength and the power also to forgive others. Yeah, so that is the order of things. We, he, uh, we are forgiven. He has forgiven us. That is past tense. So that is so important to know and to realize that we are forgiven. Now the second one uh, is also in Ephesians. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him, in Christ, we have the redemption. Now what is redemption? Redemption. The redemption through his blood, and then it says the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. That is redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says here, we have it. We are not going to have it. No, we have it. And actually that word have means possess. Yeah. Yeah, something you possess. It's not... It's not not just that you are luckily, you got it. No, you possess it. You possess it. It's yours. So that is important to know. We possess now the forgiveness of sins. It is past tense and it is ours. We have the redemption. We possess the redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. When you read on in that verse, it says, according to the riches of his grace, So now that says that forgiveness is according to the riches of his grace. Now grace, as we all know, is something that you don't deserve. And you can't work for it. Yeah, I think that is very important. If God gives you something by grace, then it is unconditional. It is something that he gives to you based upon your faith, but not based upon your works. So which means you can't work for your forgiveness. You can't do anything to be forgiven apart from just trusting in Jesus and what he has done for you. Yeah, so that is so important. Yeah, so forgiveness of our sins is, we possess it now. It is in the past tense and it is unconditional. I think these are very good things to know. Very good things to know that it is unconditional. Now, it's also that same verse also says, according to the riches of his grace. So, it's also unlimited. Yeah? You can't say, well, now I have had my portion of grace and I'm covered for this amount of sins, but now, but now the sins that I'm going to do, I don't know. No. It is the riches of God's grace. It is according to, proportional to the riches of God's grace. And God's riches... Of grace is unlimited yeah so it's unconditional unlimited it is a done deal we possess it now it it is something in the past then we go to the book of Hebrews that's one of my favorite books by the way Hebrews yeah there it says by his blood he entered in once Hebrews 9 verse 12 into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption now, we just discovered in Ephesians that redemption is the forgiveness of our sins, yeah? Now it says that the forgiveness of our sins is eternal, yeah? So you can't be forgiven now, and tomorrow, and next week, and in 10 years, but when you die, then su- suddenly the forgiveness stops. No. It's, it's there, it's eternal, yeah? When you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, Your sins are forgiven, and that is an eternal forgiveness. Yeah? That is so important to know. There is no expiry date. Yeah? It is there for eternity. That is so good news. Um, Another scripture, well, it's actually the same scripture. It says, by his blood he entered in once in the holy place. So it is done, the forgiveness of our sins took place in one moment in history. Yeah, it was not that Jesus came and did a part of the work and then now he has to come back and, and, and finish it. No. no, the forgiveness of our sins has been accomplished at the cross. It was one moment in time that uh, Jesus did that. Yeah, it was one moment in history. Another uh, aspect of the forgiveness of our sins is that it was a complete work. It was a complete work. In the same same book of of Hebrews, you can read that in uh, chapter 10, verse 12. It says, but this man Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So it is contrasting the priest in the Old Testament that had to Offer, sin, uh, offer sacrifices, and they had to stand all the time in the sanctuary. He had to stand and to work. Yeah? But Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, and then he did that once, one sacrifice for sin forever. Yeah? And then he sat down, which means that there's no more work to do. He is never going to sacrifice anymore. Just one sacrifice did it all. And he sits now at the right hand of God. So it's a complete work. It's finished. There are no conditions attached to it. We can't say, well, Jesus did the main part, but we still also have to do uh, our part. No. the forgiveness of sins is a complete work. And Jesus did it all. Now we come to some um, points that I want to emphasize. Um, by receiving the forgiveness of our sins, we were perfected so that we should not have any sin conscious anymore. Wow. Yeah, now I use that word perfected. Do you remember that I talked about those people that say, you, only if you are perfect, you can be in God's presence, which is actually true. Yeah, but God made us perfect. by his blood we are perfected by the offering of his son you can read that in Hebrews 10 also verse 10 and verse 14 and then it says that we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ so we are sanctified and then in verse 14 it says that those that are sanctified are perfected perfected forever as my wife remembers me (laughs) perfected forever forever so that is really good to know that God sees you as perfect. So that's not based upon what you do or on your, on your performance or, or, or on the quality of your life. No, it's based upon that offering of Jesus. He has sanctified us and perfected us. Now, there are two scriptures uh, that talk about, well, actually there, there are, I think it's one scripture, but it's two verses in chapter 10 of Hebrews verse one and two that I want to read with you. So I don't know if if you have a Bible you can maybe uh, open your Bible at Hebrews 10. There it says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the commerce thereunto perfect. So actually it says, the offers that were brought in the old covenant They could never perfect people. These were offerings of animals. And the offerings of an animal could never take away sin. uh, uh, Finally, definitely. It was just a covering for a moment in time. And all those offers were pointing to that one offer, Jesus Christ. So those offerings uh, that were made year by year could not make the the offerers, those people that had sinned and needed an offer, they could not make those people perfect. That was impossible. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. So if they would have been made perfect by those offerings, then there was no need anymore to continue to do that because at a certain point in time they would have been perfect, but that was not the case. And that's why they had to continue year after year. It was like a remembrance for then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. So if if those offerings were were the right offerings in order to get your final um, uh, uh, forgiveness of your sins, then after doing those offerings, you would not have to do it again. And and then it says, actually, if you once would be purged, then you would have had no more conscience of sin. So if you read that carefully, that actually means now Christ has come and has purged us once with his one offer, then we are supposed to be perfect in our conscience. And the way I'm saying it is maybe not good because we are in our conscience perfect. And that means that we have no more conscience of sin. Yeah. So now you have to think about that. How many times in the day are you still thinking about the things that you do wrong, yeah? Maybe you, you think, okay, at the end of the evening I have to confess all my sins, so let me just be aware of them. But that is not what God wants. Yeah? God has done away all of your sins. They are done away and we come later to another scripture that says that God does not even remember our sins. That is quite a thing. I'm going to talk about it a bit more later. Yeah, but we should have no more conscience of sins. That is awesome if we can reach that place where we don't think about sin. Yeah, you might might sin at a certain point in the day, but you don't stick to that. You don't keep on thinking about it. You, You thank God for... The provision that he has given by Jesus Christ, that all your sins are forgiven. But Don't keep on beating yourself up because you have sinned. No, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want us to have any conscience of sin anymore. Now, if you reach that place, then the Bible is very clear. The forgiveness of our sins makes any other offering in vain and gives us boldness in the presence of God. Amen. If you know that your sins are forgiven, and that Jesus does not uh, remember them anymore, then it says in, in, in Hebrews 10, verse 18, Now where remission or forgiveness of these is, there is no more offering for sin, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Yeah, we have boldness to enter and to approach God, because... Jesus Christ has given himself. That was the one offering that was needed. And all our sins are forgiven. Past, present and future. Yeah? So even if you are sinning, you don't need to first take a time and to, to become better before you approach God. You can immediately still pr- approach God. Yeah? You can still approach him and still thank him that you are the righteousness of God. Actually, there are people that do that. And there are churches that teach when, when people are uh, addicted, that uh, the best way to get rid of your addiction is to confess that you are the righteousness of God at the moment that you are sinning. Yeah? So you are smoking. Let's say smoking. I think we all agree that smoking is a sin. Yeah? Yeah. I think, because we all know it's, it's, it's destroying your body, and uh, so it's a sin, yeah? So there are people that want to get rid of smoking, but they are so addicted, and, and, and they, they, they could not get rid of that addiction. And then some people told them, now what you should do if you are smoking, just confess that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that goes against our logic, yeah? If you sin, you have to feel guilty, and now you're going to say that you're not guilty. You are actually the righteousness of God. Yeah? That's actually what you're doing. But in your spirit, you're not guilty anymore. Yeah? You are the righteousness of God, even if you smoke. Yeah? And people got rid of the, these addictions just by confessing that. Yeah? They, they, they lost their appetite to those, uh, to those things just because confessing that they are the righteousness of God. And that is so awesome. Uh, that we don't need to struggle by trying not to smoke. Because, you know, the more you try, the, the, the more you will do it. Yeah? But if you confess that you are the righteousness of God, then, then that addiction will leave your life. Now, the last point. I don't How much time do we have? Five minutes, maybe? Yeah. Because our sins are completely forgiven, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. And I still think about where I started with, with the brothers of Joseph. They feared. They feared, yeah? Why? Because they were not sure whether uh, Joseph would still uh, held a grudge against them. Yeah, they, they feared that there was still something deep inside Joseph's heart that, was, uh, that would come up after that their father had died and that would uh, still make them accountable for their sins so they that's why they had a fear yeah now i have very good news and i want to end with that god has chosen not to remember our sins anymore i'm not saying he can't remember them like you have a memory loss eh? i lost my memory so i can't remember so the the danger of that is that you can get your memory back yeah, yeah, that is the danger. But God chose not to remember anymore. And that is the final choice. Yeah? You know, and someone who can't remember or who doesn't remember something, if you, then, then you can't also be angry. Yeah? If you don't remember the sins of the people, then there's no way that you can be angry anymore. Yeah? God is not angry. So we don't need to fear. There, there is no fear. So that is so encouraging to know. And actually, it is so important, this, that there are two scriptures in the Old Testament and two scriptures in the New Testament that, that are saying that. Yeah? And we all know that in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So we find it in the Old Testament and we find it in the New Testament. And I'm going to finish with reading those scriptures. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, you will find the first one. I, even I, so Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotted out the transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Yeah, I will not remember thy sins. And then Jeremiah 31, verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Yeah? So two scriptures in the Old Testament. Now also two scriptures in the New Testament, in Hebrews 8 and in Hebrews 10. Actually, it is the same wording, so I can just read one sentence. You will find it in Hebrews 8, verse 22, and the same sentence in Hebrews 10, verse 17. And it says, And their sins and iniquities, will I remember no more. That is how God sees you. He has no remembrance of our sins. We sang the song that we are living a life of remembrance, but God is not living a life of remembrance, yeah? is living a life of non-remembrance when it comes to our sins yeah so that is so awesome to know that god has forgiven us to the point that he does not even remember our sins anymore i don't know if is there an opportunity to uh, ask people to give their life to jesus if they want to do that is that is that opportunity there yeah yeah you know, because I can talk about these things, but if you have not received Christ, if you have not received the forgiveness of your sins, then this message is especially for you. And the good news is, there are no conditions. You only have to believe it and to receive it. Yeah? It's very simple. You don't need to first go home, live one week a holy life, and then you come and, and give your life to him. No, there's no way. You can just come as you are. Yeah. Is there someone who wants to do that now? There's an opportunity to come, and then we can pray together. I'm used to go to a fellowship where 10,000 people are meeting, and then all the people come in front, <laughs> like hundreds of people. So if, if one could come in front now, that was like equal to those hundreds. <laughs> But even if it's not one, it's still fine. It's still okay. And, uh, yeah. So thank you for listening, for your attention. God bless you. Have an awesome resurrection day.